can't believe that. I can't believe that. Football, by the hell. Hey guys, welcome to the Miss United podcast with Liz and Amy. Today we're going to be talking about the absolute, oh God, I don't want to say what I want to say. Shambles. Yeah, that we just witnessed with Crystal Palace. And we're going to preview our next two games against Luton and Brighton, as well as take some listener questions. And we're going to take a deep dive into women's football. We're going to talk about equal pay, men versus women, standards that we've set. We're going to talk about different topics that we come up with on the spot. So stay tuned and thanks for joining us. So, Ollie Out is currently trending on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Um, oh, boy. What was that? I have I have a quote from Patrice Ever right in front of me. He said, oh. I'm burning it. Yeah, I'm going to read it. I'm burning inside. There's so much negativity about the transfer window, and the club have done nothing about it. For me, it's deja vu. I'm exhausted. It's only the first day of the season. Oh, I'm exhausted. I yesterday yeah i I'm, I'm not blaming him i'm sorry i mean yeah the, the when i saw the lineup i was like what what is why is daniel james starting why is foster mensa starting and to be honest foster mensa kind of shut me up because he had a decent game but uh, it's not <laughs> his fault i mean no one produced anything today martial was really flat rashford didn't I mean, they. I I saw a stat. Rashford and Martial had nineteen take-ons together, and they only managed two. Oh, which is abysmal. There, there is a caveat, and that caveat is that we didn't have a preseason. And yeah, the gap between last season and this season is pretty tiny. So yeah, of course. So like, that's, the players, like, that's a given. Yeah, the players are definitely going into this a little bit rusty. That is a huge caveat. God, that was awful. That was so bad. That was. That was painful to watch. Uh, I mean, we can try to go section by section. I mean, the defenders are the defenders <laughs> as as a concept are there. There are no defenders at our club. There's they're no. non-existent. Oh God, I, I feel bad. I mean, De Gea's mistake for the first goal, and I wouldn't even say it's a mistake by him. I mean, his pass was bad, but like yeah. Lindelof and Shaw and Maguire, like all of them were. They were. Yeah. I mean. We can talk about the penalty because that, for me, was not a penalty. But obviously, the rules have changed, so it, it was given against penalty and against Leeds. I think it was last week, so it's a penalty. But then the fact that they had to pick out that De Gea was off his line by a bit, like, come on, man. Okay. Well, first of all, it was great that De Gea saved it. It doesn't matter yes. in hindsight, but uh, good for him, I guess, for doing it. Mm-hmm. If he was off the line and we had to retake it, why did they switch up their penalty takers? Like, since when has that been allowed? Yeah, I, I was like, why? I mean, the same guy should have taken it because that was isn't, the... Isn't that the rule? I'm understanding it correctly. The rule is it's the same person takes it again because it's a retake. Switch it to a different person. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, if he missed it, then it's going to be, you know, the confidence level of, of things go into it. So it didn't make sense that Zaha took it. I don't know, but I, I, mean, we, I may be wrong about this, but I, I thought it was that like the same person had to retake it because that's the way it goes. I don't know if it was a penalty. Yes, I agree. I mean, he's... You can argue that his arm was away from his body and was in a natural shape, but it was way too close to the ball to like have time to react and put his hand down for me. But, you know, the rule is the way it is now. 
there's been, I mean, this is going to be a season where VAR is going to probably ramp up the confusion. There's already been a couple of times within, I think it was, I think you said it, it was probably the Leeds game where there was a weird call as well. Sometimes it's going to go like in our favor and sometimes it's going to go against. And I feel like this was one of the cases where it went the other way. I don't think it matters. Even if we save that penalty, Palace scored again. Like, yeah. it, and it, it didn't look like we were going to score at any point. And like, like, I know we did score with Van de Beek, but... Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, we never looked at anything, to be fair. And Palace had a couple of also like good on the break, you know, attacks where I was like, oh, crap. And we just recovered at the last minute. So I feel like the first 20 minutes as a whole was just a train wreck. Every time Palace came close to our our final third, I was like, they're going to score because the defenders have no clue what they were doing. That right side just gave me anxiety from the start. I, I, I mean, I don't know if Foster Mensa did bad. I wouldn't say he was the worst performer on the pitch, but Daniel James, I mean, Daniel James. I feel so bad being mean to him, but yeah. yeah. Oh, he's, God. He's, not, he's not good enough. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know if he's going to improve in the future. Maybe we're being too hard, but at the moment, the way it stands, he should not be starting over Mesa Greenwood. And I don't know if Mason was benched because of what happened in Iceland or because he needed rest, but... Ali said that him and Wan-Bissaka didn't have a full preseason. That's why they can't start. But Mason came on anyways, and he looked brighter. So I, I don't get the logic there, but mm-hmm. there's that. I mean, the midfield was bad. I don't think Pogba had a good game. McTominay had a god-awful game. Bruno as well was not Bruno was efficient. Bad. Everyone was bad. We're Marshall FC until the end that we support Dr. Marcus Rashford, but they had a shit game. <laughs> I mean, top to bottom, we were... It, the we were match, flat. The match in itself is like a microcosm of everything wrong with Manchester United, like, as a concept. Everything went wrong. Every player performed poorly. All his decision-making was pretty atrocious. And obviously, I mean, uh, I we mean, can't have this conversation without getting into a board and... Chronic yeah, mismanagement. I mean, every time Ed Woodward came on my screen, I was like, "Do you want to sign some players now? Do you want to do that now? Like now? Like, Would you like to sign phone? a left back? Would you like <laughs> to sign now. a left back, or do you want to keep watching Luke Shaw do what Luke Shaw does?" Oh my god, I take it back. I take back my rating. <laughs> I take back all the good things I said. I had forgotten. I am so sorry. <laughs> oh god. Oh my god. I. I. Every time he did anything, I'm like. Oh, God. Yeah, we're stuck with him. No, it was not good. It was not good. From top to bottom, there is not one player we can say had a decent game today. So The, f- the funniest thing about all of this was the lineup drop. We were all having a stroke. And then Spurs decided to announce Reguillon. <laughs> I'm just like... <laughs> I'm like, I was like, now? You're doing that now? Now? How are we hurting enough? Like, fuck off. Oh, man. I mean, yes. I have nothing to say about this game besides I can't believe I watched that for 90 minutes. No, this is, it's, it's, it, this is bad. This is very bad. And it's going to get, I mean, this is going to be a tough season. But I mean, we're going we're gonna to be playing in the Champions League. Bayern, <laughs> Bayern put eight past Schalke. Like, sure, I mean, we might get drawn against Bayern. Oh, my God. Bayern are gonna put 20 past us it's just like 20 that's in the first half only <laughs> every single Bayern player is just gonna score like a hat trick against us just oh my God. Lewandowski <laughs> running circles around Victor Lindelof oh, leaving him for dead oh, oh my God. man this reminds me of the Alexis Sanchez quotes that came out a couple weeks ago about how he was at United for like a week and then decided to go to his manager and ask if he can go back to Arsenal yep 
Yeah, I was just like, Van de Beek is probably doing that. (laughs) He's sitting in the stands going, yeah, is it too late for me to go back to Ajax? There's not really much to say about this game. We wish we hadn't watched it. I wish I had not wasted a Saturday evening on this. Saturday morning. I woke up for this. Oh, God, that's worse. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't gotten much sleep this week because work has been insane. So last night I went to bed around midnight and I was like, okay, I have to wake up. Luckily it's a later kickoff. So I had a bit more sleep, but trust me, I woke up, I got my coffee and I was watching this and I was miserable the entire time. It's just, I mean, and it was just one of those games where it showed you straight away. We're never going to get going. Like normally, you know, we like the opposition scores go after the sixth minute and they wake up a bit, you know, and they, they got uh, worse. Yeah, they got worse. So it was just one of those games. Like the only good thing about it was Donnie got his first goal. I just wish he could have celebrated it, but obviously, and it didn't even last. There was no real hope. Mm -hmm. He scored. And then the next thing we conceded it. Yeah. Zaha scored again. So it's, like well that was a waste of time the entire match was a waste of time yeah the only good thing that has come out of this game <laughs> is petri's efforts uh, i was gonna say, i was gonna say um there, there's a clip where they're apologizing uh the the woman on i forgot which uh it's sky sports the woman she was like we apologize it's misinformation what? yeah what? um I'll send it to you. I'll send you the video um, after this. But her quote was basically, Patrice ever said this about Wolf Zaha, but uh, it was misquoted. Maybe she didn't say misquoted, but it's inaccurate. We apologize for that information. I'm just like, oh, Uncle Pat. I mean, we don't really need to get into it anymore. We can talk about stats, but there's not much to say. It's literally every single stat is just horrible. I feel bad for... We had around 700 passes, but only four shots on target. <laughs> That's a stat. <laughs> so, yeah. no, let's not talk about that. Well, the good news is that we have two more United matches this week that we have to watch. <laughs> I told you it was too soon. It was too soon to have them back on our screens. Uh, no, yeah, obviously. We didn't even get an off season. Normally, I get two months where I don't have to watch them and I can get into a state of mind where I almost missed them. It's like, it just ended and now they're back. And I'm like, I, I don't want these people. Send them back on holiday. Do whatever you want with them. I don't want to see them. But uh, yeah, so this week, look pretty heavy. We have a game against Luton on this 22nd. Which, and then we have a game against Brighton, which is on Saturday. So, so what are your predictions, Liz? I don't really know much about either team. We should win against both of them. That's the prediction, but... Are we? We, should have, we should have won against Palace. I'm pretty sure we predicted that we should have won against Palace last the sh- week. Um, the should was a contributive factor. We should have, the, but we, we should have, did not. We, sh- we should do a lot of things that we don't do. Um, let me think. What do I know about... I don't know anything about Luton. They are they're in... Are they in the championship? One? No, they're in the championship. Okay. Okay. They, they finished last season... 19th out of 24 so they are at the bottom of the championship i I don't do i recognize any of their players let me look uh oh ryan tunnicliffe uh formerly of our academy that 2011 fa youth cup winning team with pogba and jesse and raul morrison yep he was in that team so he plays for them uh let's see who else do i know should we yeah so it's just a bunch of you know middling middle of the road championship players there's if if we lose to them, even with Pereira and Jesse and whoever else we're going to put out this Tuesday, I we mean, should be winning. Yeah. 
again, should being a really... If we, if we lose to Luton, we need to, we need we to need, liquidate. That's it. We need, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, just, I don't want to consider anything else. Um, let me tell you what I know about Brighton, which is also nothing, except... Yeah. We should win. <laughs> I mean... We should win. We won last season, no? Against Brighton, yeah. Brighton are one of, I think, three teams that we beat home and away. Oh, four teams. No, five. Five teams that we beat home and away. It's uh, it was City for some bizarre reason. It was Chelsea again for some bizarre reason. Leicester, and then it was Brighton and Norwich. So if if we can beat Brighton last season, I'm sure we can. No, never mind. I think we beat Palace like two months ago. You never know. That's the only nice thing about this club. It keeps you guessing. Keeps you on your toes. We could beat City this week and lose against Luton next week. We don't know. That's. I can probably guarantee that we could fluke a win against Bayern Munich and then lose to, I don't know, Crawley. <laughs> that is the Manchester United way, I feel. They're back, baby. They're back. We're right above the relegation zone. We're 17th, I think, right now. So, well done, boys. Road well to done. relegation 2020. The relegation watch is on. <laughs> we said 2020 couldn't get any worse. I may have jinxed it. Oh, no. God. Yeah. Uh, so Brighton, players that play for them, Lewis Dunk, who is their captain, who has scored against us two seasons ago. That really horrible match against Mourinho that gives me nightmares. That He's there. Adam Alana went from Liverpool to Brighton, so he's there. God, and if then, he scores. And then it's just a bunch of, you know, Nobody's. players. I mean, yeah. I feel oh, bad for oh, saying that. No, but... There's uh, Neil Mape, who oh. broke Arsenal's heart. Just a few oh, I remember ago. him. Yeah, so I feel bad saying it's a bunch of nobodies, but there's not a lot of star power at Brighton. We right could now. be eating our words come this time next Saturday. So yeah, come this time next Saturday, we're gonna probably be talking of a three-one loss to Brighton. So <laughs> don't take anything we're saying seriously. Uh, so predictions: What do you think the score is gonna be against Luton? Against Luton. Um, considering we're going to be probably playing our B team, ugh, two one for us. I'm I'm going to say two 0 I think Igalo is going to score. By the way, did we extend his loan or what's going no. on? He's- no, we haven't. For sure not. But I don't know if we're going to think about it. We we should be thinking about a striker because we don't have a backup for Martial. But how long? So when does his current January? To- January. Okay, so we're, we have him for the rest of the year. Okay. So yeah. yeah, so I think maybe it's gonna be like Igalo, Pereira, Jesse, oh. Fred. I hope it's I hope it's Henderson I, I, in the goal like as a goalkeeper goalkeeper. Sorry. It's gonna be so funny if Henderson starts being shit because that's kind of what happens with everyone that comes to United. Or of course. he's one of they're just their form goes to garbage. I know we've already gone past that, but De Gea had not a great game, but a decent game. He made a couple of good saves. Yeah. And I the know. penalty save. I felt really bad. Like he should have he saved that. I feel like there's not much to complain. The first goal was a problem, but it wasn't more, his. Yeah, it was a like I, defensive problem more than a goalkeeper problem for me. And there was times where he was trying to get Lindelof and Maguire organized. Might as well blame Maguire as well. Like he he's been pretty poor in the back. Yeah. And this is not an agenda. Like I I like Harry Maguire. I don't have a problem with them. But as a unit, the three of them, De Gea, Lindelof, Maguire, have been not the not best. Great. Yeah. Also, can we talk about the fact that Scott McTominay was um, right back <laughs> first? 
like what the last 20 minutes yeah i think it was like the fifth like last 15 minutes he just moved back yeah uh, can we talk about scott mctominay and what he does or doesn't do because i don't quite know what he does yeah i he i mean he had a poor game today i mean i, I literally like checked all of his passes all of his passes were sideways or to the back always always all of them it's like we have another tom cleverly with maybe a bit more muscle tom cleverly with a bit more muscle you and i probably have the same sort of mindset where it i feel bad being harsh about mctominay because i do think he is a great kid and i say kid how old is he he's like 20 yeah i think he's like my age <laughs> yeah oh, yeah but so, i mean He's an academy product, and he has good games. So I don't. I feel bad being harsh, but as a whole, he doesn't offer much besides energy. Yeah, and I saw a funny tweet. I think I forgot who it was. It wasn't a funny tweet. It's a miserable tweet, but <laughs> I, I find it funny in hindsight. It, it might have been Carl Anka actually of the Athletic who said that McTominay, no, sorry, Fred can pass, is mobile, but can't tackle. McTominay is mobile, can tackle, but can't pass. And then Matic can pass and tackle, but he's not mobile. So we have this situation with the three of them where they each are good at something, but they're not good at everything. So we have a huge weak spot. I'm just seeing all the quotes coming out now. And like he's saying... One of the quotes is, I am very disappointing. I think it shows that we are short of competition and we have to improve quickly. These are three points that we wanted and needed. There are 37 games left, but this is a red flag. You can see that we are short and they deserve the points. He's saying we had a really short preparation, but this is the reality. So there are no excuses. I mean, he's not making excuses. There's no excuses to make, but I don't know if he's saying something about transfers. No, we're not getting transfers then. Actually, we have a couple of questions on that. We can talk about it after the break. Do you want to stop there and we come back with some questions that we had from the listeners? Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. Catch you guys on the other side of the break. So, Amy, I have a few questions that our listeners have sent in, and we really appreciate you guys keep sending them in. We're going to try to get to anything that's interesting or different. So one of the questions I have is, would you have wanted Bale at United, or do you think he would have worked or been another Alexis? Hmm. I don't want Bale. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think, he, I think he, he gets a lot of negative stick from Real fans, but I wouldn't have wanted Bale. I think it's a nice story that he's going back to Spurs, because personally, I find him... The period at Spurs that he had is still one of his most exciting career moments. I know he went on to do so many better things at Madrid, but I think it's a nice story that he came back. I don't think he's going to offer much to them. I don't think he's going to do much. I don't even think he has that much of an interest in being a top-tier footballer anymore. So, yeah, I wouldn't have wanted him at United. He's out until October already. (laughs) So, (laughs) he might play against us. Watch him score. An absolute screamer against us. By the way, where are Spurs getting their money from? I don't know. Aren't they in debt because of their stadium? stadium? God knows. I mean, we might be in debt because apparently Woodward in the pre-match booklet thing, he said something about how we're trying to make ends meet, basically. And I'm just like, where did the money go? They took it. (laughs) The Glazers took it for their own pockets. Did you you not see that, like, financial thing that came out this week? I don't know where it was. Um... I don't know what it was. Um, basically, like, what the owners take from the club in terms of, like, profits. And, like, United yeah. had, like, the biggest... It was just oh, yeah, United yeah. and West Ham, I think. Oh, but West United Ham's had, like owners are atrocious. I mean, ours are garbage, too. It's just... Yeah, their dividends, they come out to, what, $20 million? A dollars, maybe? Yeah, they're Americans. So, yeah, $20 million a year. 
it's insane. Like the investors make so much money and it doesn't matter really. It really doesn't because we should have thrifts that we could still spend, but less spending is what we've gotten used to. It's been 15 years. It's not changing. I got really excited when um, the former owner of the Brooklyn Nets, Mikhail. I don't know how to say that. Yeah. Pro Prokhorov. Mikhail Prokhorov. Uh, he's a Russian oligarch oh, yeah. and he does, I think it's, um, platinum and gold. He's a manufacturer. He has a lot of money. There was rumors that he was going to buy United and I got really excited. He's apparently Roman Abramovich's cousin, by the way. Oh, so <laughs> that would have been funny, but he came out and he said that he wasn't interested in coming back to sports anytime soon so that he, he's not going to buy United right now. So tough luck. I really wanted a Russian owner. There's no ethical billionaires and all kinds of stuff, but it is better than, you know, the Saudi royal family. So we take what we can. So, yeah, uh, to answer the question, no, we don't want bail. I don't think he would have worked. It would have probably been a mess and we would have probably been mad about how much his wages cost eventually. Another question I have is question for the podcast, which I love, but I'm not up to date yet on. Oh, thank you, by the way. Uh. Who's on the shopping list for the season and how quick do you guys think we'll make some signing after today's train wreck of a shit show? Uh, We're not going to make signings. I wish we were, but we're probably not yet. We might get one other player in. We're not going to get Sancho. I mean, I feel like that's a definite no-no at this point. He's starting in Dortmund. It's It's not happening this season. No, there's a left back that we're oh, yeah. in for. Tell, I don't know how to say the name. If it's Telas or Teas, I don't know, but yeah, him. I, it might be Teas. He seems pretty cheap. They said 18 million euros, which I, I I don't know anything about him, but it's it's the rumors are going on. Liverpool just signed Thiago and uh, Diogo Yata. Yeah, Jata. I think it's Jata because it's Portuguese from Wolves. So yeah, everyone's making moves and we're not. <laughs> I don't. I'm pretty don't sure. I'm pretty sure we're the only club in the Premier League who's only made one signing. I mean, if we're counting January, we made two. But yeah. But I mean, I'm pretty sure we're the only. I mean, if we're considering only this transfer window. Yeah, the only problem with us is we overspend. At the end of every window, it'll look like, oh, United spent this much money. They spent $60 million or $70 million. It's like, yeah, we bought one player. Other teams are being smarter about it. We're not. And it's, it's stupid. Yeah. To be honest, Klopp coming out and saying, oh, because, you know, they're a kind of homegrown team and he doesn't spend as much. And then he spent $75 million in one week is just like... I hate defending Liverpool because, you know, we're going to get to it when we talk about the women's team for sure of how chronic mismanagement destroys Liverpool, but, or like the women's team and the men's team are getting investment. But in their defense, they haven't spent in like two years and suddenly they decide to spend. So I, I'm not totally, I don't think Klopp was being hit. I do think he was being a bit like snide about it, but I don't know if he was being like hypocritical. City haven't been spending that much. It's kind of weird. Yeah, they haven't this win, though. They've just... I mean, I don't know if they were holding out for Lionel Messi, but um, they only bought Ake. <laughs> yeah. Who else did they get? That the, might be it. Oh, I think they were trying... Manchester they're Solidarity. Trying, <laughs> trying to keep us on par. Peak Mancunian incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, there hasn't been a lot of spending. The reason Spurs stick out was because they tried to furlough their staff, like non-essential staff during COVID. And here they are spending this much money. And it's like, oh, really? You didn't have money to pay your staff, but now you have money to buy players? Like, okay. At at the very least, I will say one thing that United did right was we didn't do something stupid like lay off staff or... I mean, that we know of. Something. That we know of, but I don't think we did because the financials that came out in June didn't imply anything of mass layoffs either. Yeah. And we've been pretty decent in terms of how we handled COVID. Yeah, I mean, that's if, we've like, that's the only good thing. I mean, Arsenal came out, like, they put people on, on Trello or they laid people off. Um, Liverpool had that whole thing. It was, we, we handled it nicely. If it means, if... That situation is the reason we don't have money right now to spend. Like, there's two sides of me where I'm frustrated that we are in this position of poor investments over the course of the last 15 years that got us to this position. But the flip side is this year on its own, if United wanted to save their money so they can pay their staff, then I can't be mad about that. I can't be mad about the fact that we didn't plan. You can't plan for a pandemic. You can't plan for... You can't plan for the future. We never plan for the future. So obviously when you throw the pandemic on top of that, yeah, United can come out and be like, yeah, but we did a good thing with our staff and, you know, yeah, I, helping the community, helping the city and stuff. It's like, yeah, good for you. Yeah, but I agree. Obviously, yeah. Okay, so that was one question. Another question we have is, so this is from one of our friends. She asked, what are you most excited about seeing from the WSL in terms of both Manchester United and from the wider league? You want to go first or you want me yeah. to go? I'm, uh, I'm really excited about watching like the American signings integrate. We announced Press and Heath, but there hasn't been like anything else on them. I know they're in quarantine. I also don't know if that doesn't apply to Alex are. Morgan because she was apparently snapped outside of Spurs' stadium. So... But yeah, I'm excited to see how they will integrate, how Alex Morgan will integrate at Spurs. I know Daly went to West Ham. I haven't seen her play, to be honest, yet. So yeah, I'm I'm really interested in that. And I'm I'm interested to see the girls play. Just they've they've started off strong. I hope they can keep the form. I'm excited for Pernelle Harder at Chelsea because we Chelsea broke the record for the most expensive women's player ever assigned, which actually was only it's less than Alexis Sanchez's weekly wages, by the way. <laughs> but so I'm excited to see how she integrates and how she develops. Obviously, she's a fantastic player. So yeah. that I'm excited for. Like you said, the Americans, it's going to be very interesting to see how the reception is going to be, because obviously, <laughs> Fox soccer and American soccer, they, they're they very excited about the American integration into women's football. But obviously, the like most other fans, like the rest of us, we're not as sentimentally attached mm-hmm. to them as they are. So I would like to see what the cultural reception to that would be. I mean, I'm excited for our team. We're doing pretty well. We started the season well. We are within top three. We can probably break into that. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of exciting stories coming out of the WSL this season and just, like, European women's football yeah. as a whole. I'm really sort of. excited to see Real Madrid's women's team. Yeah. Yeah. So that that will be exciting to watch, especially, I mean, I'm, I know it's not going to be, it's, they're not going to be on par as Atletico and, and Barcelona, but it's going to be exciting to have another, you know, 
top Spanish Yeah, names. exactly, up there, so. Yeah, actually, that's a great transition because after the break, we wanted to talk about women's football as a whole. So I think this is a pretty good time for us to take a break and come back and talk about that. Yes, agreed. See you after the break. So in the time that we took a break, we had one more question, which it's from our friend. She asked, who's your dream transfer this window? Can't say Sancho. We, we talked about the transfers. We're not getting anyone, but the dream would probably be, if it's not Sancho, it would probably be... I'm going to go for Upamenko, just because he's been hyped Ooh. so much. And we need we need a good... I mean, following Lindelof's performance today, I'm not, you know, bullying him because whatever, but we, we need No, I, I support bullying Victor Lindelof. <laughs> Too- I'm telling you, he's getting away with, like, pretty privilege right now. <laughs> There's... Um, yeah, who am I excited for? Like, what's the dream transfer? Uh, I can't say Lionel Messi because he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I went for a realistic one, kind of <laughs> dream one, but yeah. Oh, you know who I would want, but it won't happen? Dybala. Ooh. That would be so nice. Mostly because I want him to get out of Juventus, but... <laughs> we don't like Juventus here. Yeah, no one likes Juventus. If you like Juventus, I'm so sorry. Please stop listening to us. Please tell that to me half of my family. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's fine. We don't talk as much. <laughs> yeah, so to answer that question, our dream transfer would be, for me, it's Dybala. For Amy, it's Upamenko. I mean, if we want to go dream transfer, I get Van Dyke in there just if, like, we're going for <laughs> unrealistic. Just give me Van... Oh, better yet, get Nemanja Vidic out of retirement. Yeah, and no, Rio. I would love oh, Rio. Oh, yeah, Rio. Because, uh, like, Lindelof and Maguire can do what Vidic can do. I mean, not as well as Vidic, but they could probably do what he does. But yeah. Rio was a smart one in that. Not yeah, that no, Vidic definitely. <laughs> no, no, definitely. Without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> Rio, come out of retirement. Actually, I would take, like... Patrice, come out of retirement. Patrice, <laughs> come out of retirement. Okay, um, enough of the men. I'm so sick of them. I never want to see them again. <laughs> football club. So, actually, we wanted to talk about women's football as a whole because a lot of recently about equal money, like equal pay for equal, yeah, equal pay. Yeah, equal pay for equal job. No, how is the slogan? Wait. Equal pay for equal work? Is yeah, that it? yeah, that's it. It's the U.S. women's team slogan, you know. So the story is after the U.S. women's team won the World Cup in 2019, the crowd and the stadium chanted equal pay. And obviously they've been pushing for equal pay for a long time, but they're not getting it. Other teams like England and was it Norway, I think? So there's five teams. So England and Brazil announced it like just now, a month ago. Um, and then Australia, New Zealand and Norway had already been playing yes. their male and female teams, the national teams equally. Which is awesome. Yes. But it actually puts it into context of the women's, uh, the U.S. women's team, though, because they won, they won, what, three World Cups, they reached two finals, something insane like yeah. that. They are, they're way more qualified for, um, compared to the U.S. men's national team. They didn't who, even make the groups last World Cup, did no, they? No, I think their best ever performance in a World Cup might have been a quarterfinal, 2010 quarterfinal maybe. Yeah. But as a whole, they, they're they not main football team or anything like that. So that contrast between the two is really stark. And the fact that the U.S. women's national team does not get equal pay or actually more pay because obviously they are more successful yeah. is 
is appalling. And actually, so the team sued U.S. soccer, claiming that they were underpaid in comparison with the men's team. And anyways, Morgan and Rapinoe were at the front of this lawsuit, and it was dismissed by a California judge. And they said they will con- they will continue to fight. And um, but it's it's ridiculous because I mean it's it's so clear that they're and I, I can guarantee that a lot more people in America follow the women's football team more than they do the men. There's not a lot of you know interest in soccer as they call yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, as someone that's been living in America for eleven years now, I could probably say one thing, and that is that soccer isn't developed for men because I know young girls they definitely play a lot more than young boys do. On top of that, colleges as a whole seem more invested in their women's football soccer team versus the men's. So like from early stage to late stage, America as a whole puts way more emphasis on women's football, which makes this whole thing like bizarre to me, because if you're going to put effort into something and that effort is like bringing you success, then you you should pay. If you're asking me to name an American men's player, I wouldn't pull sick. Yeah, I was going to say that that guy from Chelsea. Uh, it's like I, I'm not gonna. I wouldn't be able to tell you. But if you asked me to name top American women's players, yeah. uh, we have two playing at Manchester United. Like it's weird. And obviously, Rapinoe dance not just about you know equal pay, but. Colin Kaepernick kneeling at the national anthem. Just in general, her push for political activism has made her like public target number yeah. one in America, which is, there's so much to say about that. But, you know, when the England FA put out the tweet that they were paying the women the same as the men, all you have to do is go into that tweet and like look at the replies. And I was just scrolling oh, through replies, like my blood boiling. And they were, like the main argument is that they don't bring as much viewers as the men do. Yeah, I, I hear. I used to hear this conversation a lot during tennis discussions for equal pay at Grand Slams, and it was always, oh, the men bring in a bigger crowd. But then there's always caveats to that because then you'd have a U.S. Open final, for example, with Marin Silic and Kane Shikori, and that brought in way less people than a final involving Serena Williams and someone else. So it's like, no, the top players bring in more money, maybe. But if you're going to take the top women's players against, you know, male players that aren't as popular the women bring in more money it it just becomes a case of popularity and it's the same thing manchester united bring in more viewers more crowds than brighton do which obviously brighton united pay more to their players than brighton do but it doesn't it doesn't make sense and apart from that i think i saw somewhere i don't know it was an article i think they they're not paying them based on like sponsorships or what they get from you know the coverage they're paying for playing for the team so just for their putting on a shirt and kicking a ball about that's what they're paying for they're from they're not paying for the tv coverage they're not paying for licenses for sponsorships for whatever it's just for playing and they're play- paying them the same as they do the men for doing the exact same job, not including sponsorships. I mean, I get that a lot more people watch the men than they do the women. So, yes, there's going to be caveats to that. But, yeah, it I should think- be two separate things. But for doing just the job, which is playing a football match, there should be, like, a base rate where they're paid. One of the most shocking things, I think, stats that I've seen was Leon's Ada Hagerberg. Mm-hmm. Like, she makes $350,000 a year, and she is the highest paid female athlete, or female football player. She makes $350,000 or euros a year, which is nowhere near what Lionel Messi makes, and they're the equivalent, because they're the Ballon d'Or winners. But then you take what Hagerberg makes, and then you it's about Andreas Pereira makes about five times, and it's like, we 
we award mediocrity on the men's side, mm-hmm. like extreme mediocrity on the men's side. Like Marwan Fellaini is in China right now making... Ooh, bank. <laughs> yeah, he's making bank right now. We award extreme mediocrity on the men's side while exceptionally talented I, women are not making that money. And these salaries, they're like normal salaries. Uh, the average WSL salary was like 35,000 pounds a year, which is, you know, it's it's... It's, it's a middle-class salary, but it's still on the low end. They're not wealthy compared to... The men. The average... Not the men. The average public. Like, they are mm. making standard salaries. It's not... Sporting Intelligence in 2017 so said that the average first-team pay in the Premier League for the men was 2.64 million. So the average taking... Not, like, so taking an average between Liverpool and... I don't know who was at the bottom of the league. West Ham, for example. The average was 2.6 yeah. million. The average for the WSL is 26 1,752. Per year. Per year. Yeah, that is... Which, I mean, that's a... That's a normal salary. Like, you can go become, like, a solicitor and you're making more money than that. Yeah, of course. It's not... It's not a high salary and... So these are, which again, there's there's an argument to be made that athletes or those in entertainment shouldn't be paid as much as they're being paid. And jobs like nurses and doctors and stuff should be making more money because they're helping society as a whole. But we live in a capitalist society yeah. and entertainment is, yeah, so. If you're yeah, paying the men a certain amount of money, then it should be the same for the women. It should be the same. And yeah, mm, it's, yeah. it's industry-wide. It's not just the yeah. football players. So like you and I at our jobs are, probably making less than men with equal positions yeah of course it's definitely how you handle it and and i hate that i hate that we're trained from very young how to negotiate salaries how to try to work around all of this while men can show up be like yeah i have bare minimum (laughs) qualities i went to you know an average university finished middle to bottom of my class but hey pay me the same as this woman who has all the right qualifications just saying it's It's a shame mediocrity it's a mediocrity is awarded and it's insane but it, it's not just a pay though yes. and actually i want to divert into something a little like on the positive side is leon for example are the team that pays the highest amount both in transfers and in wages in women's football and the result of that is they've been absolutely dominant they're winning champions league they're bringing a lot of success and the club as a whole brands the woman just as well as they brand the men that's a lesson to be learned yeah. like you you put the money in and I think Chelsea are doing the same thing to some extent and actually not to the same extent but to an extent United are taking it yeah. seriously yeah they have and I think it's been stepped up more even more so than last season I mean just the contrast like the women's team is definitely getting more investment right now than the men's team yeah and it's not going to be long before they're having better seasons than the men are actually you know, it might be this season from. yeah yeah so the the result is yeah they might not bring in the same viewership but if you put the money in they're are going to bring in more success and you're going to make money off of them. So the money you put in, you're going to earn back. So, and it's not just money though. It's everything from resources to like just the pitch yeah. that they're playing on. I mean, yeah. you can take Liverpool's women. They play at Prenton Park, which is Tranmere's pitch. And they've had two games postponed because of a waterlogged pitch. And it's not just Liverpool. Tottenham, Birmingham, 
Bristol all had to postpone games because of problems with the pitches. And it's just like, I mean, that's this is England's top flight women's league. There shouldn't be, I mean, we find these kind of problems in League One, League Two clubs. It shouldn't be the case for the top league in for women, sorry. I think Liverpool is one of the most shocking contrasts ever. Yeah. In the season that their men's team won the league at a record pace, their women's team got relegated. And that is obscene. And everything from the pitch. I mean, the Tranmere pitch at Prenton Park, we were worried for Maguire to have. Yeah. And that was a one-off. I know it was mostly like jokes and stuff, but we were genuinely worried that our players were going to get injured on that pitch. And that is a weekly occurrence for the Liverpool women and obviously the Tranmere men yeah. obviously I'm not saying that Tranmere aren't struggling as a whole but they are a lower league side yeah Liverpool Whereas, has the capital to invest if they wanted to they just clearly don't want to and it's upsetting because what they were setting off fireworks and planning a trophy ceremony and a parade in the middle of a pandemic and they couldn't afford proper training facilities for their women that like how how do you justify that so basically I found this quote um, someone told BBC, an anonymous person, they didn't want to be named. So basically that they're the players, so the female players, could be paid more at Liverpool, but they would be looked after twice as much as at Everton. So like Liverpool would offer more money in terms of wages, but Everton, they get less money, but they use the same facilities as the men. They have the, they share the same pitches. I mean, that's the difference between using the same facilities as the men. And I'm get, Everton aren't a bad club. They have, I'm guessing, great facilities, while Liverpool women are sharing a pitch with League Two Tranmere Rovers. I know Tottenham and Birmingham, they had issues as well, but at, at the very least, you can say that there's not a marked contrast. Maybe with Tottenham, but like Birmingham, they use the same, like the women use the same pitch as the reserve team, which yeah. it's not it's not St. Andrews. I mean, obviously, they could be playing at, you know, St. Andrews if they wanted to, but at the very least, it's not like a marked contrast. Here you have arguably the best men's team in the world right now they're not but you could argue it versus like a relegated women's team and it's like it's embarrassing how different that gap is yeah actually the worst part about liverpool is they're not always awful like i have to look this up but um they they won the super league in 2013 and 2014 so six years ago oh they yeah, they won the FA Cup throughout the 90s. They won it three times. And they've been, like, they were FA Club of the Year in 2014. So they're pretty successful. In 2014-2015, they reached the knockout stages of the Champions League in 2015-2016 as well. So they're not an unsuccessful club. But Actually, if you look at the mid 2000s they're more successful than the men were so the fact that this was allowed to happen is yeah it's mismanagement at best i had to do like some research for on Fulham and it was like the same thing so literally they won the league one season i think it was two seasons in a row and then they just decided they weren't going to fund it anymore and now i think they're playing in in the second league because they're not i don't know is the second league i may be wrong about that but i it was they won the league and then they just decided there wasn't enough funding for the women anymore. So they just disbanded. And it's like such a shame because if you're winning trophies, you, you'd want to invest in something. But it's not always the case with women. On top of that, with Liverpool especially, especially within the context of how they tried to not pay their staff during COVID, um, I think it's 19 players on the women's team are classified as semi-professional or part-time staff, which it's Liverpool. Like, this is not... It's 
that's a big club. Like, I don't know how they've gotten into a situation where their team is being classified as semi full time. Oh, sorry, semi like part time staff or semi professional. And it's like, do you not care? Which obviously they don't. So. Yeah, I don't know if it was changed for the 2019-2020 season, but it might be changed back considering they were relegated and with COVID and everything. Depressing. Some good news, though. Real Madrid have a new women's team. Yeah, they basically bought out um, Madrid-based team Tacom, and they renamed them as Real Madrid Feminino. So it's going to be exciting. I mean, it's good that there's, you know, the Real Madrid stamp. It's such a historic club with, with a lot of acc- accolades. So it's good they're investing a team but yeah, yeah the fact I that mean, it's done just now says a lot just about now it. yeah i mean united they disbanded their women's team in the late 2000s and then didn't have it because they didn't want to invest in it and then they bought it back and now they're being successful so it's like these clubs they're it's it's not just one club it's all of them they they have to do better Borussia dortmund just got a women's team after their fans have been pushing for it for years and years and years so, you know, good luck to them, but yes. we need to do better. Like, these corporations have to do better. <laughs> this is a very, very depressing topic. Uh, oh, man. I wish I wish we had something, like, positive to talk about with, like, anything. Because I think this entire episode has just been one giant, like, <laughs> depressing <laughs> enterprise. Um, I'm really person. sad I don't have alcohol available tonight. I ran out of alcohol. This is a bad night to run out of alcohol. <laughs> God, my local store manager, he, like, every time he sees me, he just asks me if United lost. <laughs> and he doesn't, he doesn't know anything about football. Um, and I'm just like, I might have a genuine problem. Yeah. United are going to kill me one day. I, I know it. I know that they... Cause of death is going to be mentioned. Can I just say that the worst part about today's game was seeing the fact that Sir Alex Ferguson was watching from the stands. Fergie, Fergie man, Grandpa, give it up. Go hang out. Let it go. Just stay home. There's a pandemic. Someone tweeted. Someone tweeted that he must have gone to like ten packets of chewing gum throughout that match, and I was like, Uh, Oh God. (laughs) Oh, I, I like the the moment where Phelan started shouting at whoever he was shouting at, De Gea, Lindelof, one of them. I'm just like, oh, at least they care. But Phelan's yeah. probably like, I came out of retirement for this. I don't know, was he retired he, or was he? No, he was like working in Australia. Oh. I gave up good weather to come back to <laughs> this shithole to watch this team. Uh, uh, I oh, feel bad because I don't think it's all... Ollie and their fault, but it's it's just well, whatever. This is this is we we're not gonna go down this rabbit hole. I don't wanna uh, talk about our man the management at the moment. I'm desperately trying to think of something positive to say. <laughs> Do the women have a game? Oh, is it maybe No, no. I don't think so. I don't no, think they're no, playing no. in October. Yeah, and, oh, okay, no. so that's bad. Katie Zelm tested positive for COVID. Oh, I saw so, that. We haven't talked about that. Uh, uh, wishing her a speedy recovery, obviously. Yes. It sucks that she was called up for the England squad and yeah, it was her for the first, first time. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully she recovers soon and isn't rushed back like Pogba was. We were on the same page that he was probably rushed back, yeah? Marcus Rashford's still playing with an injury, yeah. Donnie, by the way, please get lawyers. <laughs> You're going to need them. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Listeners, we're trying to think of something positive to end the show on. 
Um, um, I, oh, I really don't know what to say. Uh, okay, so I guess this has been a pretty abysmal week at Manchester United. We'll probably beat Luton. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Maybe. We might not lose to Luton in regular time. Oh, God. Penalties. It's going to go down to penalties, isn't it? Uh, yeah. We're we're gonna we're spiraling into our momentary depression here, but we're gonna catch you guys on the other <laughs> side of the break. So thank you guys for watching. For next week, we'll probably just be discussing the Luton game and the Brighton game. We're gonna try and catch them, but they're both pretty early in the day for Liz. So we'll see if we may be able to watch both of them. We'll do that. And if you wanna send us some questions, feel free. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Miss United Pods. Yeah, so thanks for joining us again. I know this episode was just a bit depressing, but <laughs> obviously <laughs> we're in a state after that game. I hope next week is a bit better and yeah thanks for the support guys we're doing our best with this see you next week